a ch sound check. Back row, okay? Before I begin the instructions to give you a perspective, we're going to be opening to being mindful of the experience of emotions, or we could also say the emotional body. Oftentimes, at this point in a retreat, there's some confusion where people uh, misunderstand and think they're supposed to become emotional coal miners. So they're supposed to go into every dark pit till they can find some difficult emotion. And they're very distressed if they're not feeling any difficult emotions or they're not feeling any kind of emotions. But that's really not the instruction. The instruction is going to be including 
the emotions. When they pull the mind, you may not have a single emotion pull your mind in this sit. That's fine. So that's the first area of confusion. You just stay with the breath and the body sensations unless some strong emotion pulls you. You're not going and looking. There is a, a, a kind of practice where we deliberately bring up emotion for reflection or inquiry, but that's not what we're doing this morning. And then the second area of confusion that often happens is that uh, people will think that they're supposed to uh, be with the, the storyline, what's called the content of the emotion, rather than noticing the emotion as phenomena. So for instance, uh, a, a breakup, a relationship that's very traumatizing, suddenly pops in your mind out of nowhere. It's very easy to get lost in the story and say, oh, well, now I'm going to retell the story. And we're all interested in, in sort of doing therapy on ourselves in the middle of our meditation. That kind of re-understanding of the story may occur, but not because we're trying to figure it out through the story. Rather, we're noticing the phenomena of, oh, of feeling abandoned or uh, feeling uh, betrayed or having a lost opportunity feels like this. Abandonment feels like this. Betrayal feels like this. And we notice it as the pleasant and unpleasantness. We notice it in terms of the contraction. The other night when I was talking about resistance and reactivity, we notice how, how much reactivity our mind has around this old story. And we see the dukkha in it. So we're utilizing our mindfulness for the purposes of insight in terms of the, how this story causes suffering or the very same story can bring freedom. So you might notice, oh, look at that reactivity. Or you might notice how resistant you are to really accepting that a relationship is over or, or even accepting that, uh, oh, yes, I did contribute to this. It was not, it takes two to tango and I did. So you just, there's some resistance, and therefore you might have a little insight about the, the story, but it was because you were noticing the resistance. You weren't trying to figure out, well, now, who shot John? <laughs> so this is the practice of being mindful of the emotional body. Again, you can, uh, you can as uh, I think Mark said yesterday, maybe it was Anna, that the, a lot of the emotions we discover through being aware of the body. So it's, uh, we establish ourselves in body awareness because through the body awareness, we can often distinguish and stay present with emotions because we're grounded, we're resourced in the body. And without that, we lack the ability to stay with a difficult emotion. And also there is what I call self-soothing, which the, the metta and the compassion are part of a whole phenomena of self-soothing, which is a whole different discussion and exploration. But it's appropriate to self-soothe if a difficult emotion comes up. Please don't think that it's only difficult emotions that pull you away very uh, pleasant emotions. It can be an emotion where you remember a story and how great that was and you want it again. 
or you're excited and you're just so pleased with the way your yoga's going and you start having this great uh, euphoric feeling and you're imagining yourself going back and being a star in your own yoga studio around this new information. And there's just, the, the emotion has just really got you. And that's as interesting and can be as much suffering as a difficult emotion. So we're open to all emotions, but we're not coal miners. We're not going down into the pits of our experience looking for something. Feeling the feet on the floor, the sides of the feet, tops of the feet, or bottoms of the feet. How do you know that you have this experience of feet? Is it warmth or coolness, hardness or softness? Pressure, tingling. Feeling the sit bones and the buttocks on the cushion, the bench, the chair. How is it that you recognize this experience? The felt sense of the experience. And now expand the field of attention to the whole lower half of the body. Let this lower half of the body just rest on earth. All that's hard, firm, heavy. Just invite it to rest on earth. Sitting in the bones. Grounded, rooted. The movement of all the diaphragms much more visible when we're rooted. The subtle level opens when we're grounded. And then aware of the upper body, the belly, letting the belly be as it is, the chest, Letting the chest be as it is. The shoulders. Are we holding the shoulders in some form? Either because we think it's the proper form or because we're unconsciously in that form. Releasing the shoulders. Releasing all the upper body, heavy, firm, hard, to rest on earth 
also through the lower body. The spine becomes light. Just a hint, or just imagine this lightness of spine as a possibility, as Jill has been teaching us. Not judging the body, not judging our practice, not judging how well we understand, renouncing judging mind, not comparing our practice to a previous practice, to other people's practice, not comparing our understanding, renouncing comparing mind. Likewise, with the body, with our practice in general, and as we open to the emotional body, not fixing the physical body, not fixing our practice, not fixing our understanding, not fixing our emotions, renouncing for this sit the hindrance of mind that is compulsively fixing. Pouring the attention onto the breath, connecting to each inhale, sustaining attention on that inhale, just this one inhale, the felt sense of this inhale is like this. Connecting to each individual exhale, this very exhale that is arising or you're in the middle of or is soon to come, this exhale is like this. You connect attention, you sustain attention, not grabbing hold of the inhale, but resting attention on it just as the body can rest on earth. So the mind, through this capacity of attention, can rest in the experience of breath. Receive the breath, not leaning into it, not grabbing hold of it, but letting the form of the posture be where you receive the breath. Any small sense of well-being, of gratitude, of curiosity, of delight, maybe the lips slightly, slightly, slightly smile. Any sense of relaxation on the exhale, any sense of energy on the inhale, appreciating, delighting in, 
receiving. Not manipulating, not going after, receiving, receiving. This moment of being with the breath is a moment of aliveness. This breath brings your aliveness. Feel your aliveness. This very breath, when you are present for it, is presence, being present, being in the now. Recognize for yourself your own sense of presence. So delightful to actually show up in our own lives. Connect now this attitude for just three breaths. with this presence, this receiving, this feeling of groundedness, that if a strong emotion comes at some point and pulls the mind, this is the receiving of that strong emotion. The presence receives it. The presence is curious. Your sense of now, of aliveness, meets every emotion and recognizes it in its form as a Nietzsche, ever-changing, it arises like the breath and it disappears like the inhale and like the exhale, every emotion. So easily fooled in thinking the emotion is constant. Just as we are willing to stay in the body, so we're willing to stay with an emotion unless it becomes fatiguing or overpowering or we start getting lost in it and lost in the story. Emotions come and go. They're either pleasant or unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant particularly, or they're changing between pleasant and unpleasant, sometimes so rapidly we don't know what we are feeling in terms of whether we like it or don't like it. It's all mixed together. But we can stay grounded in that stream. We can even stay grounded in the confusion that sometimes arises around strong emotion. Breath is our anchor, establishing not just the presence, 
but also the attitude with which we are meeting the moment through this more or less slightly positive or slightly negative or neutral experience of breath. And then sometimes the breath becomes totally delightful. So it is with emotion. As we're in the anchor of breath, we may become aware of the body sensations. It may be one single sensation, a stabbing at the shoulder blade, or a warmth in the belly, or a sweetness at the lips. And we find that our mind has moved to this experience. It's become captivated by this experience temporarily. And so we make it our temporary object of meditation. Ah, sweetness of lips is like this. Pleasant. Soothing. Mm. Wanting to hold on to. And then the mind will start to wander. And we come back to our anchor of breath. And then another sensation. Some thoughts may come. At this point in our practice, we're asking you to just let those thoughts come when you, they've captivated you to pause for a moment and then come back to the breath. Later on, we'll examine thoughts. Today, it's the emotions we're adding. So emotion comes, the mind's gotten captivated by it in some way. It's our temporary object of meditation. It's just another arising and passing, just like the breath. Hello, excitement. Hello, loneliness. And then we return to the breath when the mind wanders or gets fatigued or lost. If you have a very well-established practice, you may not return to the breath, but go on to the next object. You can feel if your mind is stable enough, if you're collected and unified enough to do that. Otherwise, come back and collect and unify around the breath.
so emotions you know a vipassana purpose is liberation liberation from uh, greed hatred or aversion if you like that word better and delusion liberation from suffering so it, in vipassana we're not trying to stop having emotions but rather to change our relationship to emotions so for instance uh, you uh, you feel anger you're feeling anger in this moment so it's not like oh I shouldn't be feeling anger anger is here anger is like this but in the eightfold path with the insight with right effort with right speech right action right understanding intention you don't become possessed. You don't take birth in that anger. So therefore, you don't lash out verbally or you don't lash out physically. And for you, it might start, or for some people, it starts with being just lashing out verbally versus physically. They have to work their way back. I've been through that with some students where they were had uh, major things with that. And the same way with your neediness. You feel neediness, and the neediness is like this, but then you don't, you don't put it all over the other person. You're able to contain your own neediness because every emotion arises and passes. Every emotion may come again and again and again, but it's always liberating. And over time, it will, it will uh, dramatically liberate so that you're not imprisoned by it. So changing our relationship with emotions. Of course, when you're sitting there and you, you have an insight about, well, this is what, this was my problem with my mother. It wasn't what I thought it was, it was this. Good luck in stopping yourself thinking about that, right? <laughs> of course you're going to think about it. But uh, come back, come back a little after a while and, and uh, just notice all the, the Dharma things about the relationship with your mother. Now you're wanting to fix it and have it be, a, it's just, just include the Dharma. And then when you, when you uh, over time, You'll have another insight, but you won't get so pulled into the soap opera of the emotion, the storyline, that, that soap opera that's up and down. The soap opera is not a bad thing. It's just that when we take birth in it, it causes ourselves and others so much suffering. So the Buddhists are not trying to not have you have emotions in, in that way. The other thing is that uh, you're more concentrated. So when you're more concentrated, if what the, when the food tastes good, it tastes really good. When you have a good experience in, in meditation, it's really good because you're present for it. You're organized around it. But also, if something difficult comes up, it's really difficult sometimes. And so don't be thrown by that. Don't be thrown by that. That's right effort uh, is where you balance. You go, you know, here's this emotions come up. And we're supposed to be with emotions today, but it's too much. I'm just going to get lost in it. Just divert. Don't go there at all. Or, oops, I'm here. I know this is a bad neighborhood for me right now. Get out of the neighborhood. That you're not being cowardly. You're not failing to do the practice. It's, it's part of this. I've taken all this time around this because uh, this, is, this is an area that it's very difficult to uh, gain clarity about and how mindfulness works with. Uh, so questions or comments about any part of your practice, please. Um, what I've been noticing since I've gotten here, um, especially after the first day, um, 
Yes. Well, uh, it's uh, why, why do you use the word interrupting? Ah, she had an insight. <laughs> so it, it, it is uh, a not unusual occurrence for as we start getting more concentrated to go through periods of time where tremendous heat will come through the body. And there's a huge spectrum of that. <laughs> I mean, really huge. It can get extraordinarily extreme in a few instances. So not to be bothered by it. My advice, and others here might give you different advice, and you can bring this up again in your individual interviews. My advice is to stay with it and just let it be part of the experience. You can think of it as part of the cleansing. Because, you know, we're, mindfulness is a, a, a purification process also. So you can think of it that way. You can think of it as a release. Uh, lots of different ways to think of it. Stay in the body. If, if, it, if, it, if you start to get an emotional spin about it, like I've said before, then, you know, take off the clothes, do whatever you need to do, and let it interrupt you because you're going to get, if you're getting lost in it, that's not going to serve anything. But otherwise, just stay with the experience. And as you saw, it too changes, huh? Yeah, very good insight. I'll, I'm sorry I didn't repeat the question, did I? So, Oh, precursor to menopause. Well, yes, but the, a lot of men have this, so, you know, it's, uh, that can be that. You certainly learn in menopause, what many women have told me this, about how they've learned to stay with the heat because of that. Oh, and by the way, this, this groundedness, uh, the groundedness in terms of that kind of menopausal heat, is, is, is uh, many women have reported quite helpful with that, grounded in the feet or if you're sitting grounded in the tail. <laughs> so you're having a genuine experience of your meditation. I didn't hear what it meant to you, so I, but she was asking, what does, what does it mean to take refuge in the Dharma? Could you hear? Oh, so yeah. So yeah, when you're when you're when you're taking refuge in the Dharma, you are you are seeing the experience from the point of view of what wherein lies liberation in this experience. What is suffering and not suffering in this experience? What is my relationship to this experience that leads to suffering or is suffering? What is my relationship to the experience is freedom? non-suffering or leads to freedom non-suffering that's the that's a so it's the truth but it's not the truth as a barcode reader truth it's not a uh, it's not an assessment that's indifferent it's being viewed from the point of view of liberation uh, and so we're practicing from the point of view of liberation from freeing the mind freeing the heart to have the mind be free and available to have the heart free and available to, to this life to to uh, our, our ultimate journey. Did that speak to your? Yes.
Correct. I'm going to ask you a question about that, but first to catch everybody up with it. So she was saying that her understanding of the practice is that we notice our patterns and uh, the patterns that, uh, that lead to suffering, and then we gradually change those patterns. And she used as an example her relationship to food. She eats in a normal sort of way of food, but her mental relationship is as though she had a disorder around food. And, uh, and does that, is there something other than the mindfulness? that can help with that. So did I state that correctly right. enough? And other, you know, dozens of other examples. Yes. Right. So when does the groove change? When does the consciousness change? Or does it ever change? First of all, we are we're noticing, yes indeed, patterns. We're also noticing tendencies that may not be a pattern exactly, but they're tendencies that under certain conditions, these things happen to us. And then we're also noticing that episodically, certain conditions, we will create certain kinds of suffering. So all three of those. Then the, the mindfulness is part of a whole relationship to experience, like I, when I refer to the Eightfold Path. So you keep, you deepen your understanding, and that's one way that you, uh, and mindfulness helps with that, but a, a lot of other things help too. You, you get more and more clear on your intention. You develop more and more a compassionate relationship with that mind. You have a more loving kindness attitude towards, you develop more equanimity, you develop more calmness of mind. And as all of these uh, Vipassana uh, uh, skills come into play, they all help bring uh, a change in the mind stream. We could say from brain science, a new neuron pattern. I, I, I don't like reducing it down to that because it just doesn't fit my experience. But, but it certainly shows up in various ways in brain scans, so that way. But then also, you know, you use everything else too, from therapy to any kind of body work to, so uh, you learn reframing as a, as a, of course you can learn this in Vipassana too. You reframe it as it's happening, your experience is happening a certain way, your mind's telling you something. I don't have time to take you through the example, but in one of the individual interviews, someone could do this with you, where you reframe the experience that you're having it. And over and over again, you do this reframing till you have a pattern now of seeing it the reframed way. Does that make sense to you? So there's lots of uh, different pieces that start to make a difference. You, uh, you have to take this on faith at first and it, it, to see for yourself, A.E. Pasico, come see for yourself. The pattern may persist far longer than its ability to control you. So we think we've got to get rid of the pattern, but as we change our relationship 
to the pattern. The pattern is there and like, whoa, feel this, watch my mind do this. But we're no longer defined by it. Truly, truly not defined by it. It does not, there's not a disturbance by the disturbance of the mind, that kind of disturbance is there, but we're not disturbed by the disturbance. That's right, exactly that same principle. And this really happens. This, I mean, this is, I, I, I'm saying this so much because this is our last chance with all of you. I'm really wanting you to know that this is all genuine. This is not some theory sort of, you know, airy stuff. It, the Dharma really works in this way. So that's, that's my encouragement to you. And I would have you pursue that particular one in an individual interview. Emotional coal miner. Yes, so uh, she was, uh, she knew, she says she often has trouble when we get to looking at emotions, and she liked what we were talking about the, in terms of not being emotional coal miners, but she was, as she was, uh, she had this experience of realizing she'd gotten lost in thinking about her job, and she's, then she remembered, oh, we're supposed to be noticing emotions today. Well, this must be a particular emotion. And then she said, but is, is it or is it not that emotion? And she kind of got all lost into this, all this consideration. That is coal mining. <laughs> when you have an emotion is when you, when you notice you have an emotion. You may be having the emotion and you're not noticing it. At this point in the retreat, as you're just starting to open to this, don't try to say, was there an emotion here or not? Just if it's not immediately available as emotion, just consider it thinking and go back to the breath. I'm so glad you're asking this question. She said she's still confused because like with an emotion, it's a concept like excitement or, or, or uh, joy or something. But unlike the physical sensation of, of warm or cool or heavy or hard, emotions as we are looking at them are a felt experience. It's the felt experience, knowing the emotion in the emotion. The, and an emotion from this view, as I understand it, is made up of mental image, mental image of some kind, uh, maybe some sort of inner dialogue, and physical sensation. So every emotion has a physical sensation of some degree with it. It may be so small we can't easily detect it. But emotions, emotions are arising in a combination of ways. So there's, a, to include the pleasant or unpleasant. So there's a felt sense of pleasant or unpleasant, and that's there. So like, let's suppose when you were planning, uh, now there could have been 
many emotions in that. There was a little of excitement, a little anxiety. There was a kind of entertainment to that. So that entertainment brought up this emotion of, hmm, this feels good. And so there was wanting more of that. So you, you kept planning about your, your experience, and you were lost in it. Because it was like you were in a movie, right? You were watching the movie, and you were having all these emotions that's your own home movie. And uh, so in each of those emotions that you may have had while you were thinking about your, your work situation, yeah, there was felt sense with each of those. That's why it's so satisfying, because you have all this chemical stuff happen. And so we keep doing it. So because we're getting, we're getting a little chemical payoff in our brain. As we start to see the, that happening, we then, it's not like we're saying, oh, I don't want to be thinking about my job, or I don't want to be able to be entertained. It's that we want to have choice. That if, if, it's, if, what we're, if where our mind is going is, is wholesome, and, and leading to wholesome results, then we go there. If, 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 it's, if it's not, then we would, we would have a choice to say, well, this isn't, we don't want to keep acting that out. So for here, as you're, as you're more interested in other things other than just daydreaming about your job, which is not wrong, but that's not what you're wanting to do here. You're wanting to have the choice to do what you want to do here. Does that start to make sense for you? Not convinced it is. <laughs> And maybe that's why you were there and lost in your thoughts in the first place, because that unpleasantness of the knee. So uh, uh, being with what is, uh, there's a degree that, that you're, you're uh, it feels to me, and again, I think this needs to be done in an individual situation. I think you're, uh, there's a little bit of what I'm hearing, and I may not be hearing correctly, it's a little bit of controlling experience. Uh, so there's a little bit more sitting back in it. So now you're with. Uh, so now the you're planning or whatever around your office. Now you're back in the moment, and you notice. Oh, when I'm here in the moment right now, there's some difficulty. My knee hurts. Okay, my knee hurts. Your well-being can go right on. You can have a great sense of well-being with a knee hurting. I can easily testify to this. And so it, and that's the freedom. The freedom is freedom from conditions. That's what the Buddha. Uh, accomplished among many other things, is that his mind was not determined, the state of his mind was not determined by external or internal conditions. That's freedom. He had freedom of choice, freedom of well-being. I have to stop with that now. But just one quick question here. Uh, did any of you feel a lightness in your body? Just show of hands if anybody's felt lightness. Okay, good. And did anybody feel, uh, uh, their, wow, my body's extremely heavy. Any of that? Okay. Um, what Jill is teaching is more likely to bring that kind of experience out. When that lightness is there, uh, go with that lightness, but stay, stay in your body, stay in the seat, stay grounded, and let that lightness flow. That's a very sweet experience to have. But if you, if you don't stay grounded, you can go spinning and just get lost. But it's, it's, it's part of collecting Unify. The mind can go just the opposite way and feel extremely heavy. 
that too is part of collecting unified. Just stay with that. Don't, don't think anything's wrong or don't make any story about it. It's just part of this phenomena of getting more concentrated. Uh, one announcement is that if you have not done the reconciliation of your bill with, with, uh, out at the table, please do so uh, as soon as possible today. Spirit Rock did this to try to make this easier for you. So Spirit Rock's got a Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.